This week's episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Holy cow, Matthew. Right? Uh, now, so for those of you that don't know what Loot Crate is, it's a monthly subscription box that's full of awesome stuff like geek and gamer items and pop mm-hmm. culture gear. This must cost a fortune, Matthew. No, it costs you less than $20 per month. And every box has between six and eight items. You get a T-shirt, you get collectibles, and you get unique one-of-a-kind items in every single box. Uh, I've been a subscriber to Loot Crate for years. Everybody in the house scrambles when that box arrives. I've never seen my kids more excited than when they see that big black box from Loot Crate arrive because they know that something good is inside. I actually had to ban mine from opening it while I'm not here. <laughs> that's that's the rule in our because house as well. I, w- I want to call dibs on the cool stuff. Well, <laughs> speaking of cool stuff, Matthew, the April theme is Quest. Mm-hmm. And check this out. You form a party. Well, you and your family, your friends, whoever. You explore everywhere from far off kingdoms to worlds hidden within worlds with exclusive items from. And I know people are going to love this. Our listeners mm-hmm. are going to love this. Labyrinth. Oh, right. Harry Potter. Ooh. The History Channel's Vikings. Cool. And Uncharted 4. Nice. Now, don't forget, you get a t-shirt, you get a loot pin to help you on your adventures. It's all part of the April theme quest. Now, to make sure that you get the April box, you do have until April 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific. When's that again? Subscribe. April 19th, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Is it standard now? Okay. Pacific something time to subscribe to get this month's crate. If you miss the deadline, you're out for April. Uh, that would that would hurt because you won't be able to get that quest box again. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to www.lootcrate.com slash spoilers. So that's where you need to go to first. Then enter the code spoilers, and you're going to save $3 off any new subscription. They have a variety of models uh, to choose from depending on if you want to do one month or three months or a whole year. It's mm-hmm. really that that easy, Matthew. Once you sign up, All you have to do is sit back and wait for that awesome loot crate to arrive at your door. Matthew, that address again. www.lootcrate.com forward slash spoilers. Use your code spoilers. Three per three, three, three dollars. Get three dollars off on any new subscription. Wow. Thank you, Loot Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Yay, podcast night! This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the movies of the future, the heroes of the past, and for once, the choices of the faithful spoilerites haven't made me sad. Because next wave, the Black Panther returns at Marvel Action Lab is voracious and hearts are throbbing at Oni Press. Plus our usual news, reviews, and the kick-butt poll of the week where you can vote to make me sad next time. Hop aboard your shockwave rider and fight off the forces of hate because our robot brains need beer and the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue number 672 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. It's only because of you that we are able to do this show each and every week. 
or each and every time. We don't do it each and every week. We probably do it 50 out of the 52 50, weeks in the year. 50 weeks a year, sometimes 51. Just depends when it all falls, but we do it all for you. And you can help us out by heading over to Majorspoilers.com, clicking on that Amazon button. Every time you make an order through that Amazon link, a little bit comes back our way and uh, keeps the gerbils fed so they can run in their hamster wheels and keep the electricity going for yet another week. It's a nice gerbil you got there, Mr. Schleicher. It'd uh, be a shame if somebody stopped feeding him. Yep, that's what's going to happen. All the gerbils are not going to be fed. Let's get to some news. Got three items to talk about this week. Charlie Cox says the Defenders uh, series is coming sooner than we think. New trailers for The Suicide Squad and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story have arrived, and Image Comics announces new titles at Image Expo. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny, see where we land, and what we're going to talk about this week. It alternates between Cap, Team Cap and Team Iron Man. Oh, oh new, new, Team Nighthawk. New trailers for Suicide Squad and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, two trailers have arrived, uh, one of them a week ago. And the other one just in the last couple of days, uh, as of mm-hmm. this recording. Which one do you guys want to talk about first? Mm, let's talk the one that came first. Uh, let's talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. God, I hope they change that name by the time it gets to theaters. It is interesting that it has the same kind of title structure as We're Back, a Dinosaur Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, I think I know why they need to put the Star Wars story in there because that way people know that it's Star Wars. Mm hmm. Right. But it's almost like, I don't know. I, it just feels odd. Why not? Why can't you just call it Star Wars Rogue One? Yeah. I think they want to keep these separate yeah, from they the wanna, spine of the story. Yeah, they want to keep the Star Wars stories as their own seven chapter, eight chapter, nine chapter uh, things and these spinoffs right. things as, as something totally different. But really, I think audiences could care less. Uh, I don't hate a Star Wars story because I think it gives the title of the story they're telling top billing here yeah that's true it also uh reminds you that this is a fantasy set setting and mm-hmm. uh even though it's right. a war story it's uh, still in a galaxy far far away a long time ago mm-hmm. and uh the other thing people need to know is that this is not about bothans uh stealing the the death star plans that would be no that Return was the, the second Jedi. death star yeah yeah this is the this is the one that happens between episode three or technically happens between uh, star wars rebels and mm-hmm. uh, New Hope. And yeah, Rebels I'm, is, I'm uh, Rebels is actually really good. Uh, is it? And, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, listen to Ashley's review she did last week. Finally caught up for the season. Man, what a great ending for this season. Um, uh, I, I'm digging the story. I'm digging the characters that we've seen so far. What are, what are your guys' initial reactions to this? Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, it's got that. It's oh. got him in it. Holy carp, Forrest Whitaker. I, I really like the tone of the, the Rogue One trailer. I feel mm-hmm. like it it sets something different. It really feels like kind of a dark spy craft sort of thing. It doesn't feel like a, your, your frontline Star Wars kind of dun, da, 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 movie. It's something that feels darker and more guys in smoke-filled rooms sending out assassins to deal with one another, which... You know, that thing is, that's, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's something that all Star Wars fans are easily going to embrace as we've seen, but. Oh no, people are I really certainly like hating it. this, uh, the characters that they've seen so far in this Rodrigo. Why, why so much hate for what's her name? Jenko, Jenko Ray or whatever her name is. Um, I, I hate well, Star Wars names cause they're just like, oh, let's throw some letters together. There you go. Yeah. Jimbo Cobb. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I'm guessing a, a big part of the hate comes just from her being a girl. Um, I, I think um, having the first big spin-off sub-franchise of Star Wars led by a woman is great, but um, there are people that are like, ah, girls can't do stuff still, weirdly. I mean, just take two steps out into the internet. It's amazing. I know. It's just um, so disappointing. Other, other than that, I don't know why they would be down on this character since do we even see her talk in this trailer? I think like, she says something <laughs> at least yeah, once says, in this. <laughs> She says, like, yes, I'm which ready one's or something. She's like, which one's the rogue? I'm the rogue one. Yeah, she goes, I'm ready. I can do yeah. this. Which yep. is, I mean, it's so. totally cool. I mean, I, I think it's, it literally is totally cool. I'm, I'm on board with this. And it, it just looks like a, a, a cool story and tells us that, that little bit of, of narrative that people have known forever that the, the rebels transmitted the, the plans to the, to the Death Star to Princess Leia's ship. But what, who were those people? What did they do? What did they have to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Who died? Who lived? I want to see this. And best of all, this is the thing I'm most excited about. As far as we can tell from this trailer, not a Skywalker to be seen. Although Darth Vader does appear at least uh, a little bit in this movie. That, yeah, that but you can't see his be. Skywalker. All you yeah. can see is his Vader. That, that will be interesting to see what they do with force users in this and I hope she's not franchise. a force user. I hope she's straight up just shoot him up, bang, bang. Yeah, and I mean, uh, if we're to believe everything that we know from episode four, we know that force users are a rare sight. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's in, in the expanded universe, which I know has been tossed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these obviously still exists as reference um there have been ways in which they bring the force into non-jedi situations Mm. so i would be very surprised i would be very surprised to see no new characters who are force users i would i think it would be great if she wasn't a force user Mm -hmm, i'm fine with that but some character some new character introduced in this will more than likely be a force user. I would be extremely I'm, surprised. I'm wondering if that is going to be Donnie Yen because he's doing some cool moves and destroying uh, some, some uh, stormtroopers left and right Yeah, with his amazing uh, martial arts skills. There you go. But if, if I was going to pick one, that, that would be it. But I mean, really, I mean, just from, just from kind of what we know, from just the movies itself, by the time we hit episode four, sometime between rebels and the next one, Jedi are all but extinct. They're not as uh, widespread gathering parties like we saw see in rebels, but I would, I would be very much in the belief that if one of these uh, members of the rogue one team brought up force, they'd get laughed at. Maybe. Sure. So that's, I mean, that's definitely one way to take it. Yeah. And, and, and incidentally, I would be extremely surprised if anything, um, uh, if anything references Rebels or the Clone Wars or even the previous or, or even the prequels. I, I think anything that this movie does is going to take care to be well apart from everything else except for the movies that it stands between. Well, the interesting thing is because Star Wars Rebels and the way that that story is being told... Um, and how the rebels are starting up and becoming who they are and establishing um, bases and all of those kinds of things. 
I think we're going to see some of those characters, at least one of them. I'm not talking about the main cast in here uh, from Rebels in this movie, but um, one of the main generals that has shown up in this second season of Rebels, I think I think we will see him in um, in the movie. We know we're seeing uh, Mon Mothma in the movie. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'd have to, I'm trying to go down through the, through the uh, list to see who this uh, commander is or who the, uh, I don't see it just off the top of my head. His name is, his name is Bar Chipotle. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> Bar Chipotle. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if we didn't see, you know, one of the leaders of the rebels from, from Star Wars rebels in this, in this movie, at least briefly. Even if it's just a background character who, like Mon Mothma in episode seven, had all of her dialogue cut and sitting on the cutting room floor. It's mm, sad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you do uh, watch the uh, bonus footage, the deleted scene, she does appear in there for about 45 seconds, has some speaking lines. And the actress who did play Mon Mothma in episode three mm-hmm. is back in this one as well. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So they are keeping the same actress there. I did discover one thing that I think is going to make me less happy about Star Wars. Which is? According to one of the Make Your Star Wars Name games on the internet, my Star Wars name is Peeing Rats. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. It's better than Porkins. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I would really actually not. rather be Jack Porkins. Nope, it's better than Porkins. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the Suicide Squad. The latest trailer for uh, for that movie landed over the weekend during the MTV Movie Awards. It's uh, it's using Ballroom Blitz as, as half of the uh, trailer music, which seems to have gotten a lot of people excited. And yeah. to be quite honest, I think there's uh, more humor in this trailer than we saw in the first trailer for Suicide Squad. And it's uh, so weird. It is so weird. And and um, the director David Ayer has gone on to Twitter saying uh, all those reports that we're doing reshoots to add additional humor into the movie are totally not true. But so, it is an odd choice that the movie about the, the probably going to die suicide squad is, is where DC movies want to go light and, and comedy. That's just strange. I don't know. Me. I just think that there's, well, you, know, you, you always end up in a party where these people that uh, just have to shoot off their mouth all the time. And they're uh, making these funny quips like we we've seen with, and really the only two people that we see making really serious, funny quips in this are Harley Quinn and Deadshot. True. Um, both of whom are known for being snarkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems to be in line with what we've seen in, in both the comic books and animated movies as well. So, Rodrigo, what are your reactions to the new Suicide Squad? Uh, I think, like, I, 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 I saw the last one, and then I see this one, and I'm like, why the 70s? But I guess that's just where we're at. That's that's what we're invoking. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Ballroom Blitz was, what, like, 70... Yeah, sweet, uh, 70, 77 or something like that. And then, like, Bohemian Rhapsody also, uh, mid-late 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's like, I... You know, uh, that's that's kind of what struck me. It's like, here's a new trailer with a new, like, upbeat or, or with another upbeat well, they've been, old school song. You know, they've been using a lot of stuff. In, in, in the first trailer, they were using, um, ah, crap. They were using another song from, like, the 60s. Um, yeah. uh, Ballroom Blitz came out in 74. Um, but uh, they were, weren't, weren't they using a Nancy Sinatra song in one of the other trailers? Oh, Boots? Yeah, I think Boots or something. I don't um, remember what That's it, from like remember. 67, maybe? Yeah, so they're, they are definitely using music from a different time period. But, you know, Matthew and I talked about that. We talked about this briefly last week on the show, where mm-hmm. suddenly if you look at all of the 
art that you find on greeting cards and wrapping paper and all this stuff, they're using stuff from the seventies yep. as that design. So it it's almost seems like it's in line with using some of the music from that time period as well. Sure. I, I think, I think that is weirdly where we're at. Mm -hmm. I, I think well, pop culture in the United States cycles very fast. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're back to the seventies again. Like we were in like the 90s. I say 1998. The 90s. Yeah. Yeah. If you look it's at Harley's, 20 years, you know, it's almost been Harley's sure, look sure. in this movie is very roller disco, very mm -hmm. 19 you know, summer 1980. Mm -hmm. yep. So I can definitely see that retro vibe coming back around. And the really interesting part about this for me is the fact that really, with the exception of the Batman related characters, there isn't an established or, you know, high profile pop culture expectation Right. So I feel like this may be the place where, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, they can take the risks that we never expect from a, right. a standard superhero sure. movie. Or mo maybe and even then, Deadpool. of course, yeah. Well, and at that point, you come to the point where you end up redesigning the character going forward. So mm -hmm. we may see that 70s influence from the 2010s movie coming back in 2020s in the comics. Or next week in well, actually, um, Harley Quinn. I think in the newest issue of Harley Quinn and the Harley Riders or whatever the the series is that comes out this week, Harley uh, and the Harleys. I think uh, I think her costume in the comics has now been reflective of what we see in the movie. And sure, you know, it, if they're gonna have the scene that they had with her, at least she's putting her clothes on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm I, curious, do you think I, from last I checked, this movie was still not yet rated. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that this is something that they, you think this, they will keep this at a PG 13 or do you think they'll say, you know what, if there's enough reason to, or if the MPAA gives it an R rating, they would be okay with this. Mm, I think PG 13 simply because, and you know, this, this may entirely be my response to the way the studio seems to be kind of hedging their bets post Batman versus Superman. I, I, you know, the statements that they've made and the things that they've said just kind of make me feel like they're not wanting to rock any particular boats. And when it comes to a movie that has a tie to Batman overtly through Joker well, and, and Hart and Batman appears in this movie. I mean, Batman yeah, will I'll, be in this movie. Yeah. And you know. see him a lot more in this mm -hmm. trailer, because, mm -hmm. you know, like that's the thing is like it, I think the movie has this to a certain extent, but certainly the marketing team is mm -hmm. just like flipping all the switches and all the knobs as they come. Right? It's like, hey guys, Deadpool did really well. It's like, oh well, let's put literally all the jokes, one hundred percent of the jokes in the movie in the trailer, and it's like, hey guys. Uh, there was one thing that people liked about Batman versus Superman, and weirdly, it was Batman. It's like, well, let's ben show them that Batman. Batman in the movie? Yeah, this has been Affleck Batman. Now, now we, and uh, my understanding is that it is, even though we see Batman, it also is Ben Affleck in the costume. Apparently, he was on set to record stuff with them um, when they got to those scenes. So it's definitely, if it's definitely that take. The other thing that I found really surprising in this uh, Suicide Squad thing is it starts off in the White House with. What if Superman came down and killed the president? Are we ready for that? And it's like, yeah. wow, why, why are you guys, everybody's hating on Superman. Batman hates Superman. <laughs> the government hates Superman. I mean, everybody hates Superman, which oh. is just, I mean, it's, I guess it's a nice justification to get your suicide squad up and, and running, but wow, two movies in a row where it's like, let's make Superman the villain. 
Well, Hopefully I mean, you did, you did see Man of Steel, right? I did see Man of Steel. Yeah, that's three movies in a row where they yeah. made Superman the villain. <laughs> I didn't make him the villain. They most certainly did. No, he was fine odd. <laughs> okay, I'm not doing that. In any case, it's at least two movies where Superman is played as more destructive force from beyond. And I think that that I mean, that may be their aesthetic. That may be what they're looking for. And if that's the story that they're going to tell, I'd rather see them consistent rather than give us this story with a different Superman than we see in Batman versus Superman. Just because, I mean, if you're going to play up. What they're what you're claiming is your shared universe, actually share it. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to it, but you you kind of really need to lean in and commit on that, or else it's just going to feel even more fragmented when things do come up that are different. And we know they're gonna. I mean, it's happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe already. We've had characters who are echoes of previous characters, or oh no, that wasn't the real one. Here's the real one situation. So. You know, if your Superman is going to be a destructive force, then uh, uh, do it. It is just go. It is interesting because it does create. It's like in in a world, in a world where where the first time the the world meets Superman, he punches a guy through a building and the building collapses. Mm-hmm. The Suicide Squad actually makes a lot more sense. It's like. Sometimes in the comics, it's like, why would anybody trust these crazy psychos? Oh, yeah. And but, but in this universe that they're creating movie by movie, it actually makes a lot more sense. And weirdly, after watching Batman versus Superman, I'm more interested in the Suicide Squad because this is like – this – DC Cinematic Universe is like an Elseworlds story. None yeah. of these characters seem in character to me, except, weirdly, for these guys that I'm seeing in this trailer. Except I'm not crazy about the portrayal of Harley Quinn, but what are you going to do about it? Right. I have that same question. I, I love Will Smith, and I think Will Smith is going to make an interesting character. But eh, comic Deadshot is a, kind of a jerk. Sure. And, a, and a nihilist and a suicidal schmuck. And I feel like, you know, Will Smith is going to be your protagonist hero guy. Sure. sure. Even if he if he isn't, he well, is because he's I mean, Will Smith. That's the whole point of the Suicide Squad, right? That's the whole point of the, the comic book is here are these villains that you're not supposed to like, but you keep reading their stories right. because you like them and you're hoping that they succeed in it. If right. not, nobody would buy the comic book because they'd be like, they should all be dead at the end. They're villains. Blah. But that's not the case. So, yeah, I mean, by default. These are the heroes of this movie. I feel I feel that Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman forced these shades of gray down our throats, right? We're like, yay, Superman and Batman, they're good guys. And they're like, no, no, there's like it's more complicated than that. Eat this. And in that world, Suicide <laughs> Squad actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. If and I I really think that if people want, and I'm not saying that and I, we've talked about this before, um the animated Suicide Squad movie from Warner Brothers is pretty intense and hardcore and it's and it's clear now that they're not just adapting the animated movie to the live action, although it's got all the same characters in it. Um yeah. it's a test but if, bed. 
Yeah, maybe. But I mean, that was a PG-13 and it's got Deadshot and Harley getting it on and it's got uh, Joker beating the crap out of uh, a Batman and a nuclear bomb and all this kind of stuff. It is. It's intense and it's scary and it's weird. And it's the first time that I looked at an animated Warner Brothers movie is like, whoa, this is pretty intense and may not be suitable for all all ages. Uh, really? yeah, I, I, mean, I remember that Green Lantern movie. A guy gets sucked out through a pinhole. Yeah, no, this is this is like, I mean, really adulty, like where, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of adult themes in it, which, again, might be aware of. But if you kind of want to prepare yourself for what you might see in this live action movie, go check that out. Uh, The other thing that I noticed is this is an ensemble piece. And as you go through the trailer, Boomerang is hardly seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me think, hmm, if you're going to kill somebody off early, who could it be? Enchantress is also okay. reduced greatly in a lot of the bigger uh, scenes that are in the trailer, which, again, is also another one. It's like, okay, I'm I'm almost positive now that not everyone's going to make it out alive. I kind of, well, yeah, almost certainly some of these guys are going to die because, yeah. I mean, you'd hope because that's the sort of movie mm-hmm. this is. Yeah, right? and it should yeah. be. I mean, it should be Magnificent I mean, Seven. If, uh, if it literally... should be. If literally dozen. everybody in the Suicide Squad makes it out of the other out the other end of the yeah. movie, it's kind of a ripoff. Yeah. But that said, the previous trailer I feel had a lot more Enchantress in it, so maybe they're just they're gonna be like, okay, what are our two big selling points? Right. Uh, Harley Quinn and Deadshot, right? Largely because of star power. Yeah. Then the Joker, because he's probably gonna be the villain, and now Batman. Because Batman was successful. So that really reduces the time that they can spend on anybody else. They're like, well, we haven't spent any time on this fire guy. Let's talk to fire guy. Have a couple Dob- shots yeah. of killer talk. We get yeah. uh, Diablo in there uh, quite a bit and have Diablo, some, yeah. some bits in here. My, uh, more my than money's likely, on him going down. Uh, I don't know. He seems, uh, of, the, of, the characters, of the characters in there, he seems the most likable. Uh, of That's the ones why that I he's going to die. Um, but, he's the guy we're supposed to get attached to who bites it. Um, it is it is nice and weird and maybe typical that this is the most diverse cast that we've seen from a DC movie in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all criminals. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the other thing that I think would be interesting, and, and I mentioned this, um, you'll hear me say this a couple of times over the next week or two. Um, in the animated movie, KG Beast was one of the people that they kidnapped to be part of the Suicide Squad. And they all wake up and Amanda Waller's like, you've all got explosive planet in your neck. If you don't want to be part of this team, you can walk out now and you're all, if you don't believe me and you're going to die. And KG Beast is like, okay, I'm out of here, lady. Walks out the door and his head blows off. So like literally within two minutes of the movie, one of the Suicide Squad members is, is killed to, uh, to prove the point. And I'm wondering because Boomerang is like almost not seen at all in this, if he isn't the first one to go as a, as an example. I, I or, doubt. or if they or if they even bring in another villain that they haven't talked about yet, because he literally will die in the first right. 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a number of ways they can pull this off. I think that, yeah, the, the odds are and I'm going to say three minimum of three people Probably. are going to bite it during this movie. Makes sense. But the the thing that you really have to come down to is kind of like, you know, that first few episodes of Legends of Tomorrow where all of a sudden they hit us with da-da, character death. But if you've been paying attention to the solicits, that character death was was kind of obvious. Oh, sure. I, I don't necessarily 
get that here and maybe I haven't been paying as much attention. Every time they talk about Suicide Squad, it's all, here's a shot of all of our cool protagonist evil guys. Oh, yeah. It doesn't necessarily, yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like anybody immediately has, you know, like dead meat on their forehead to yeah. me. But. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I just think it'll be interesting. And, and more than likely, if this one introduced us and, and kind of focused on uh, Harley Quinn, Deadshot and, um, and El Diablo, I have a feeling that between now and August, we will have trailers that will focus more on each of the individual characters. Sure. So that audiences will be like, oh, yeah, I dig that character. I like that one. Cetera, I mean, it's nice. I, again, it's uh, we haven't had a superhero ensemble movie basically since the Avengers mm-hmm. because like, I mean, I don't know. You guys saw Age of Ultron. It's yeah, like, I saw Age of Ultron. It, I mean, it's. Basically, Age of Ultron is has all the characters as far away as possible because they're literally just holding a trampoline for the next six movies, right? Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's all they're doing. So it's 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 cool to potentially see a um an actual ensemble superhero movie. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Any other thoughts on any of those two movies? Mm. More katana. I'm I'm sure we will see more. Uh, she's More actually, katana. if you look at the background during that bar scene, she's way in the background there. So, you know, she's not dead by the time they hit that point in the movie. So, well, we don't know where that point in the movie is. That I'm could be the first thing to happen. I'm betting it's towards the end. Now, what happens it's, is it's, it's mid, Waller it's sends them through. out and they're all like, no, screw this. We're going to quit. We're going to go and take over this bar. And then somebody's head explodes. and They're like, oh, crap, we have to go do this. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> probably not anyway listeners head over to majorspoilers.com watch those trailers for both uh, rogue one a star wars story and suicide squad share your thoughts in the comment section we enjoy reading those uh every day every day and uh let us get to some reviews so this week uh, i took a look at black panther number one from marvel comics um this is interesting because i, I you know i don't follow the black panther character i'm not up on all of his uh, stuff but um i i guess i didn't know that Wakanda, I knew it was technology, uh, technologically advanced, but I didn't know that black Panther suit was all cybernetic. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that because there's some very cool scenes where the mask is coming onto his face and wrapping around and doing all this stuff. Uh, I, I found that very kind of, uh, interesting. Well, and and they, cool. they take, it depends on that, the version, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lot of cybernetic stuff. Sometimes it's just like, cause that's Wakanda is where vibranium comes mm-hmm. from. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, even in his first appearances, he was all filled with gimmicks and gadgets. Oh, and yeah, so anyway, he is back now as king after his sister was killed. And um, wow, there are a lot of different ways you can read this. This really could be an allegory for America at this point where there are there are moments in this book where the workers are being uh, struck down by the guards of Wakanda there are questions about um, uh, homosexual relationships, gay relationships in here and how far people are willing to go to to save the other person, even if it means defying the government. Uh, there are issues on, you know, you're our leader, you're our king, and yet nobody trusts you or believes in you anymore. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in here, especially for uh, T'Challa, who basically, again, he's coming back as I think they're calling him the orphan king. Because he's coming back to a throne, taking over, and the people really have lost their faith in him. 
Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, there's now somebody who's going around. I don't know who this character is, but she is kind of possessing certain groups of people and causing their inner auras and rage to come out, which causes some conflict between uh, the workers and the uh, the military who uh, the Black Panther has come to the uh, vibranium mines to, you know, tell the workers, thank you, you're doing a great job. And suddenly this big fight breaks out and uh, they're killing their own kind. And that's, you know, something that they're totally against. But I mean, it's it's really got a lot of deep, deep political tones to it. And it's pretty good. Well, the the author... Uh, Tanahisi Coates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's an actual political writer. Yeah, for who's mm-hmm. a Washington Post or Atlantic Monthly or something like that. I forget who he mm-hmm. who he writes for, but uh, yeah, it's it's really good. If you again, and I, I really truly think that this is a kind of an allegory for the United States at this point. On oh, top of sure. that, Brian Stelfreeze's art is freaking awesome <laughs> throughout this whole thing. There are scenes where the characters are just played completely in silhouette, where all you see is the black outline of their forms. And, uh, you know, in the case of the, what is the, uh, what's the guard called? The all female guard, guard, Matthew, who are they? What are they? Oh, but, uh, but the Dora Milaje. Yeah. Um, they have oh, technological nice. an, an, uh, enhancements as well. And so in these scenes where they're talking with one another and it's night and there's a fire in the background and then Wakanda way in the background, you see their outlines and then where they have technology that's out, all outlined in red which also is kind of weird because it almost feels like it's blood running down their, their bodies. Like this is what's coming to them. Mm. If they continue to behave the way they're behaving is just really, really cool. And I really got a kick out of it. A lot of people are talking about the black Panther this week, obviously because we have the civil war movie just around the corner. Uh, this mm. uh, issue has already gone back into print. Uh, Marvel announced that earlier today of, as of this recording. So if you didn't get it, the second printing is coming and I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf. I really I really nice. got a kick out of it. Um, I'm not a, familiar enough with the character to know all of the political backgrounds of the whole history of everyone who has ever been a, a Black Panther. But uh, I, I think the biggest holdup is this doesn't seem to be new reader friendly. And that's <sighs> and that's the only that's the only big I mean, that's the biggest negative that I have about this is you're kind of expected yeah. to know all of these things in order to understand what's going on in this story. And that's the thing about post-Secret Wars Marvel. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, there's a lot of new number ones out there. So, But I enjoyed it enough. I want to see what comes next. I'm definitely on for six issues as of this this first um, um, nice. introduction to this. And it's really, really good. I, I suggest go picking it up. I'm not saying it's the best thing out there, but it's certainly three and a half slices of meatloaf worthy. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. Matthew, what do you have? I got a comic book from Oni Press. And I picked this up solely on the fact that I saw the writer talking about it yeah. on some social media sites. I think he's probably by, sharing our stuff that we shared. Could be. Yeah. Written by Christopher Sabella, uh, drawn by Robert Wilson, the IV, or the fourth, depending on how one reads it. Heartthrob number one from Oni Press. And this is the only thing that I can really describe for it, and it doesn't really fit the medium, but I'm going to use it anyway, because I think it really evokes what I'm trying to say. This is lyrically dense. This is like one of those moments where, you know, uh, Slim Shady starts really popping and popping and popping, and you have to go back and listen three or four times. There's a lot in this story, and the way it's being told is fascinating. It's a first-person story, and yet it's a story that I, I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, the first line is, so I'm dead, and that's a bummer. 
but <laughs> it's a really interesting kind of take on things. We, we meet a young woman who has all her life had a heart condition. Just immediately before this issue, she finally was given a heart and had a heart transplant. So she has a brand new heart. And this is where things start getting weird, because with her new heart, she finds herself having new feelings and new sensations and memories that aren't entirely hers. And she starts responding to things in a way that doesn't feel entirely right. Like she wants then, to go rob a bank or she's feeling all the feelings <laughs> that a serial killer had moments before she killed her. He killed his uh, last victim, that kind of stuff. Funny that you mentioned rob a bank. No, she basically finds herself being more proactive and a little angrier. And at one point, her bosses try to give her some bad news. She crumples up her contract and throws it in her boss's face, tells him to eat it and that he's going to go back to work. And, of course, she starts seeing this strange, incredibly uh, sophisticated-looking awesome guy who shows up and then disappears and then shows up and then disappears. And she starts hallucinating and dreaming about him, and he disappears. And it turns out he's not really there at all. It's the spirit of the man who donated her heart. Bum, 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 bum. Now, I want, I want to understand, and this is something that is very important. Tropes are not bad you may say to me well i've heard this premise or uh there was this movie with seth green and you say i say to you no stop stop thinking like that i want you to go check out this book because this is really well done it's very complex it's really interesting and the fact that you get fun character interaction when there's only one character who actually has any real stage time is truly wonderful and it even ends with a cliffhanger that i think is kind of nice but if you've ever worked in a soul-sucking corporate job, this book really gets every nuance of that down. Not saying that I know anything about that, but it's really entertaining and it has a really, really compelling protagonist. And it takes and makes the best of even the most familiar bits of premise. And I think that's wonderful. Art-wise, it is truly gorgeous. And the thing that is best about it is that the main character, whose name escapes me, which most of the book is told in first person, but in any case, she goes through this issue, and her name is Callie, by the way. You know how, say, you've been married to the same woman for 21 years, and during the, a, a given week, that woman may look different from day to day, and she may do different things and do different things with her hair. She may be mad at you. She may be tired. She may look entirely different, but it's always the same face. It's always right. the same right. consistent head. You don't always get that in comic books. Yeah. You get that in this issue. And from panel to panel and page to page and situation to situation, there's a great variance in the way Callie carries herself and wears her hair and the looks on her face. But it's always consistent. It's always the same, quote unquote, actress. And I really, really appreciate when somebody can do that kind of rock solid character work when it comes to the art. I am giving Heartthrob number one four slices of meatloaf just based on the first impression that it made. I was halfway through the book and it felt like I had read 45 pages of graphic novel. Hmm. Really complex, really well done stuff. And I highly recommend it. You should definitely check it out, fellas. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I've got a copy of it right here. Uh, we will check Go it. read it. I will. Sit down. Read it. 
I won't do it right now because right we're recording a show. But Ma- uh, Matthew, while uh, we're listening to Rodrigo, I will flip through some pretty pictures. So Rodrigo, okay. please tell us about your book you're taking a look at this week. Ah, uh, yes. This week I'm looking at Voracious number three. Um, now, uh, Voracious is the story of a young man who has had a lot of problems. Um, he had his previous business uh, basically go up in flames and literally, and uh, his sister died there. So he's like having a, a lot of issues. So he goes back home and opens a restaurant back in Utah um, to kind of be close to family and to the place where he grew up. Um, and then he inherits a time travel device, goes back in time and starts chopping up dinosaurs to serve them at his restaurant. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's the basic premise of voracious. Um, this specific issue, um, is kind of a, kind of a, a bit of a setup for what kind of feels like a, like the, the turn of the, of the act. Um, we are, we see that, uh, he has let other people into his secret that he is, um, serving people dinosaurs um and now uh this friend of his is helping him because uh he's an army ranger so he can actually like snipe at dinosaurs and stuff um there's also um he has family members who are sick Uh, very importantly um this time travel device operates on san dimas time so (laughs) If he is, if he spends three hours in the Cretaceous, then three hours have passed in the real world, right? That sort of thing. So, um, there's like also kind of a surprising amount of sort of like mundane problems, which are not, not to say that they're not interesting, but just kind of like general problems like nobody can get a hold of him when he's time traveling and then one of his family members is sick um there's also a um his business partner for the restaurant is starting to get suspicious about where all this meat is coming from and why they're not spending any money on meat um Mm -hmm. also there's Mm -hmm. kind of a budding romance there but he has a girlfriend back in New York who's trying to get him to move back to New York and she's very dismissive of the uh, brunette girl next door business partner. Again, like Matthew said, tropes are not bad necessarily. This is playing with them pretty well, if you, especially if you consider that at the center of this, there's a guy chopping up dinosaurs to serve them to people. Um, <laughs> which I guess specifically doesn't necessarily violate any laws, but you'd think it would. Um, the... Uh, comic ends with kind of a freaky cliffhanger which i won't spoil because it's kind of a big deal and makes things a little scary um but it really feels this issue really feels like you know things have just things are now kind of hitting their stride going well for this guy and everything's about to go mm-hmm. south yeah. yep mm-hmm. So it's good. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I expected. I was like, okay, so this is going to be a, a comic about a guy running around like shooting dinosaurs and stuff. And some of that happens, but there's a surprising amount of human drama in this. The dinosaurs are kind of secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the art is good. You can usually tell who everyone is. Um, the dinosaurs are cool. Um, there are things like, for example, basically he time travels with this really bulky suit and it seems to be like purposefully very dorky looking. Mm. Um, so it kind of gives it a, a, a weird aesthetic, right? He's not like in like a super sleek chrono suit yeah, yeah. or an actual like time machine. He's like in this big round bulky, like Robbie, Robbie, the robot looking suit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I, I suggest that you guys pick it up. It's got, you know, uh, it's got the food angle. Like, I think that's really the only comparison that I would make to chew. But um, it's got a little bit of that danger and whimsy. Um, it's a different tone of book. Don't go in this expecting to see something like Chew, but still not bad. I wouldn't say it's inferior. It's just, again, it's, it's interesting to see food as a theme in comics um, mm-hmm. because comics have done dinosaurs to death, just like they've right. done superheroes to death and zombies and whatever. So it's interesting to see a take on this that maybe we haven't seen as much. And it's really nice to see a time travel story where somebody chooses to do something that's actually kind of weirdly mundane, right? Basically travel back to last Tuesday night so I can pay my phone bill on time kind yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, I mean, um, Matthew, what's the, uh, Stephen King time travel, the November 23rd, 11, right. 11, 63. Yeah. The, one of the premises of the thing is the, the man that owns the diner has been mm-hmm. using this uh, portal to 1963 to go get meat yeah. and serve it up to his customers. <laughs> to buy, he's to like, buy his food cheap. Yeah. He's like, I'm buying it cheap and it tastes good. So there you go. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, had had you read the previous two voracious? Uh, I have not. Okay. This is the first issue. I've okay, I couldn't remember if you had reviewed those earlier or not. No, I know I we've been not. getting them for a while, but uh, there you this go. I feel like from, somebody uh, did. Probably Wayne or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is from Action Lab, and this is their Danger Zone imprint. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more adult. Is the Danger from, Zone stuff? Yeah. From this issue, I, I mean, I really feel that it's in the Danger Zone because maybe it just. It's violent. Like, there's really nothing that's mm-hmm. like some of the Danger Zone titles are really over the top in some of their themes. But this, I think, just like the way that, um, I don't know, the way that, like, if a superhero title gets serious enough, they move it to Vertigo in DC Comics. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what this feels like for the Danger Zone. Yeah. So I'll give it three slices of mysteriously acquired meatloaf <laughs> pterodactyl mm. loaf yum mm. all right thank you for that uh, rodrigo and listeners you can head over to major spoilers and read more reviews including a new one on uh, dark horses what is it penance um house of penance number one that apparently dark horse is really pushing hard they really got a kick out of the review you can find out why by heading over to major spoilers.com while you're over there if you think that uh, this show is worth two dollars a month Yes. And uh, head over to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up for a silver, a gold, or a bronze membership. Every little bit helps, and it keeps the site and the shows and everything running smoothly, including our ever-growing server costs. Because there's so many people visiting Majorspoilers.com week after week. That's members.majorspoilers.com. Head over there, sign up today. We'd like to see 20 new people sign up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, you, you guys can do that easy. Yep. 
Uh, this week we are taking a look at uh, Next Wave Agents of Hate. That was a um, trade paperback selection made by you, the listener, which means that it's time once again to put up the You Pick the Trade paperback review in our major spoilers poll of the week. This week, or this month, or the next uh, trade that we will be reading, will be up to you, and your choices are New Teen Titans Games. Mm-hmm. Set in the 1980s during the height of the New Teen Titans popularity, this standalone soft cover features a mysterious villain buying a deadly game with New York as its game board and the Teen Titans as the pieces. <gasps> the other one is Jiro uh, Kuwata's Batmanga Volume 1. Uh, in the first volume, the Dark Knight and his sidekick Robin fight against some of the strangest villains, including Dr. Faceless and the Human Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we have Tales from the Bully Pulpit. Teddy Roosevelt and the ghost of Thomas Edison travel to the far-flung future on a wager, only to discover the terrible secret of space. Bum, bum, bum. And then finally, The Witcher, Volume 1, traveling near the edge of the Brooklyon Forest, monster hunter uh, Geralt meets a widowed fisherman whose dead and murderous wife resides in an eerie mansion known as the House of Glass. The Brooklyon Forest? The Brooklyon Forest. Made of broccoli. Brocky-a-lawn, Yeah. It's scary. It's made of broccoli or maybe broccoli people. We'll find out. You will cast your vote. Uh, do you guys have any um, any preferences for what you want to what you want to read? I sure don't want to read that new Teen Titans, boy. I hate that. Really? So Why? anyone who wants to spite me should go and vote for that new Teen Titans. Really? That'll really show me. Because I, Matthew, would, I would think Matthew that you would want to do bat Matthew manga. Matthew knows his audience. I, I really want to check out that bat manga. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be the bee's knees. Yeah, that's, I'll tell you that's, right now, you guys can't make me sad this time around. Yeah, mm. that's that's probably where I would go. I would go with the bad manga because I feel like all of Batman's villains are just crushingly arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Like Batman has had a thousand villains, but the rogue gallery that we see most often are just the ones that kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah so, the same nine guys. Yeah, I'm very interested to see kind of this alternate reality where those guys aren't as big of a deal as a bunch of other guys. As Lord Deathman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lord Deathman. Lord Deathman, ladies and gentlemen. That's what you're going to Dr. Faceless is pretty creepy, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you can head over to Major Spoilers and vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. You will pick our next trade paperback. Yeah. And where is it kind of sitting at right now, Matthew? Right now, we actually have... A tie for second place. Uh-oh. Oh, nope. A vote came in right now. Uh, Tales of the Bully Pulpit pulling down 14% of the vote. 22% for The Witcher. 23% for the Bat Manga. New Teen Titans games. 40% of the vote. But again, this early in the game, six or seven votes can really turn the tide. So yeah. do you know what I said? Don't ever vote for that New Teen <sighs> Titans because it'd be a shame Stop if you it. threw me in that old briar patch. Stop it. So oh. was this, is this actually from the 80s or is this something that someone said backwards in time in that 80s yes and time period? Yes and no. This, this is came out in 2013, I think. This is a story that Wolfman and Perez had planned to do mm. in the 90s as a throwback to their stuff in the 80s that didn't come out for like 15 years due to other projects and illnesses. So it is an 80s Titan story done by the classic team, but it didn't come out for many years after that. So yes, and yeah. also no. But it's got uh, Danny Chase in it, so you got that going for you, which is nice. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com to vote. Yes, that's what you want to do is vote. Votey vote. I want to thank um, Tweaked Audio for sponsoring this week's episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. You can head over to TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com. Pick yourself up a pair of these things. They're great. So many different colors, so many different styles. My preference, as always, flat wire built-in microphone. These things are designed for great music and talk, whatever you want to do. They're also designed for durability. Got noise reduction design. I have been walking with mine. The winds in western Kansas for the last couple of weeks have been blowing like 45 miles per hour uh, steadily. And um, I went outside, popped in my tweaked audio earbuds, walked around. Could hardly hear the the air whistling and whipping around me. That's how great these earbuds are. They're not going to cancel out all the sounds. That way you hear that big Mack truck as it's barreling down upon you. But uh, here's the best thing about these tweaked audio headphones. When you head to tweakedaudio.com, use the checkout code MAJOR and you will get 33% off the price. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. All right. It is time for our discussion. This is the trade that you selected for us to read. It is Next Wave, Agents of Hate from Marvel Comics. Next Wave. I think it's just Next Wave. There's no explanation point or anything. It's just Next Wave, Agents of Hate. Oh, I didn't know they had a theme song because it's not listed in the six issues that we read. No, it shows up in issue seven. Oh, well, see, but not in the six issues we read. So therefore does not exist. Next wave. Yeah. Sorry. It doesn't exist. Um, so Matthew, what is next wave agents of hate about besides the next wave agents who (laughs) no longer work for hate, but they are agents of hate. (laughs) Right. And the beyond corporation. Yeah. Um, I believe that the cover of the first issue really sums it up when they say healing America by beating people up. Next wave is the story of five lower tier superheroes who were working for not Nick Fury, but Dirk Anger, not of shield, but of hate who find that hate is actually infiltrated. And this is way ahead of its time by the evil guys that it's trying to stop. Yeah, so kind of like doing the whole Hydra thing ahead of uh, taking over Shield. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, and they have they have basically gone rogue with some of the technology to bring down Hate and the Beyond Corporation that is behind Hate, and it is one of I think the best uses of these minor minor characters putting them in weird situations. But really, what it is is people fighting and things exploding. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Some of the characters I do recognize. Uh, was it Machine Man mm-hmm. and uh, Click Click Boom Girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, boom 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 yeah. Boom or Meltdown? I believe yeah, yeah. was her name. For she was in uh, was it X Force? Yeah, X Force. Yes. Like, wasn't she the ninety? Wasn't she in the nineties uh, X Force yeah. series? Yeah, she actually first appeared in Secret Wars two, and then joined the New Mutants, and then X Force in okay. the eighties and nineties. So, and yeah. Machine Man was he not in? Um, what was that? What was the young kids? version of the uh, X-Men. Was that X-Force? It couldn't have been X-Force. The one that Machine had the... Man has never been an X-Man. No. Yeah. Oh, geez. What, what series am I thinking of then that he was in? What was he in before? M- Machine uh, Man has actually the, probably the most high profile profile thing that he's been on mm-hmm. was that um, Earth X stuff where he mm. was like the point of view yep. character through most, most of it, which okay. of course didn't happen. Yeah. You know. You're thinking of uh, probably the Vision in Young Avengers who had a similar gig. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, then you got Monica Rambeau, who's their leader, mm-hmm. former. Who was the former Captain Marvel. Yeah. And, and she was an Avenger. So she's got that. Uh, she led the Avengers. She's got that going for her. 
which is nice. And then you've got uh, Aaron Stack, or that's uh, Machine Man. That's mm-hmm. Machine Man, yeah. And then you've got um, yeah. Elsa Bloodstone. Elsa. She's mm-hmm. the monster hunter. Right. She's the daughter of Ulysses Bloodstone, the legendary monster hunter of yore. And then finally, we've got uh, the captain, Captain Triple Skull, Bleep. or, or yep. <laughs> Captain Bleep. Yeah. Uh, captain, uh, I think S-word. I don't, yeah, uh, probably is the S-word I would go for. But, you know, but they yeah, use, he, the problem is, in the book, every bad mm-hmm. word is the is the crossed out uh, skull of crossbones. Yeah, so hard, it's, it's it kind of flips tell, around. Yeah. It's hard to tell. But, yes, I would agree with you that the, the S-H word would be the, the main one. Because I don't apparently, think it happens in, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, apparently the word is so bad that when he told Captain America his name, <laughs> Captain America beat him seven ways to a Sunday and left him in a dumpster. <laughs> With a bar of soap in his mouth. Yes. Later on, we find that he tried to go and find a new captain name, but they were all taken, including uh, Captain Kerosene. Okay. So he got to the point where he just dropped it and went by the captain. Okay. And later married a young lady named Zoe. Uh, Zoe Deschanel? No. Oh, all right. Then less interesting then. Yeah. Uh, we are only reading the first volume. Uh, th- this book has been collected a couple times in the individual volumes, uh, individual issues, then volume one and volume two. And then there is an ultimate next wave collection that has mm-hmm. the whole 12 issue uh, series. But we're only taking a look at the first volume. Good news is you can read the first volume in about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You can read these it's six quick. issues very quickly because, as Matthew said, most of this is fighty, fighty, fighty. But it's it's hard to describe because it's entertaining fighty fighty to the point yeah. where they're they're definitely parodying the the violence and explosions and to some degree Warren Ellis is parodying himself because it's making fun of the the what they call the widescreen comics like the authority where the five people come in and blow everything up. So it's kind of like when Alan Moore went and made the ABC because he felt like he'd made comics too dark. This is Warren Ellis making bigger explosions to cancel out the little explosions he already made. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so we know that the have have. Has Next Wave appeared in other comics? Yes, they're actually very recent as, as a team. No. Well, okay. yes, but no. There was very recently <laughs> well, it's an explanation. Yes no. no, it's not. It's comics. There was recently an explanation of what actually happened. Okay. And I, I can share that with you now if you'd like. Yeah, please. I'm asking. Okay. That's why I'm asking if they're in, in current recent, continuity. In recent issues of Mighty Avengers, Monica, uh, Captain Marvel, now going by the name Spectrum, um, discovered that she and four other heroes were captured and stuck in a parallel pocket universe where incredibly stupid and crazy things happen by the evil people of the Beyond Corporation. So this takes place in outside okay. of Marvel continuity while in Marvel continuity. There aren't any official Next Wave crossovers, but mm-hmm. there are appearances of Next Wave. And Monica and Aaron and Elsa have all appeared in other titles as these versions of the characters, yeah. which all originated here. Yeah, really, this was a big kind of re relaunch for Machine Man. Most of the time when you see Machine Man nowadays, he's this kind of foul mouth robot. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing about it is the writer 
in 2006 said, no, this is not Marvel continuity, and editorial agreed with him. And sometime around 2009, they started treating it like it was in continuity. And somebody basically said, hey, Joe Quesada, is this in continuity? And Joe Quesada shrugged his shoulders and went, hey, good comics, huh? So it's. I really feel like this is one of those stories that wasn't, a, then was, then yeah. wasn't, and then people assumed that it was, kind of like the killing joke. Yep. To the point where somebody finally had to make a story to make it work. Well, you know, if they if they've been in, if this the events of this story take place in some kind of a pocket universe, that that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that makes it a little bit more clear. But the problem, I guess, the and it's not really an issue, but the thing that kept popping through my mind as I was reading this is like, this is Mad Magazine. This is Mad Magazine takes on the Marvel Universe, which sure. isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I, I kept thinking, well, I know who these characters are, or some of these characters are from other books. Why, you know, why not? Why not just use the Rand Corporation? Uh, you know, they're always a nefarious, you know, no-faced entity that can be used for bad. I mean, they could have they, and except for the um, agents of hate or the um, agency mm-hmm. of hate or hate itself, um, they could have they could have gotten away with a lot of just regular Marvel continuity stuff. Well, in here. that's that's the thing is. This the the reason why they've gone back and maybe stuck this on the side of continuity is because it was good. Mm. And the reason why or at least it's generally perceived to be good, regardless of how you feel about it, it's generally perceived by Marvel fans and people who read it at the time to be a good comic. And the reason why it was good is because the author was free to do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. With well, we, the organizations, and the only way to achieve that was to have these kind of parallel mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm, right? right? He couldn't make it shield, and he couldn't make it aim, right? Because you were going to run into those problems. Mm-hmm. He and, apparently actually wrote it with uh, Nick Fury as Dirk Anger, but clearly mm-hmm. found that it couldn't, right? Because it would damage. Even I mean, even a character like. I don't know, let's say AIM, the the evil beekeepers of AIM, I feel like this takes too much parodic intent. Sure. And sure. it's it's like you say, if you take that mad magazine, you're not gonna be able to walk away from Nick Fury or AIM or even, you know, super minor characters appearing in a story that is this over the top, that is this loud and unapologetically, you know, basically drunk. And have them come back into regular continuity and just shake it off and say, you know, oh, well, that was a phase. You know, this was around the same time that they were doing the Marvel Max versions. And Marvel Max Fury was such a cluster schmoz a couple of years early. And people were were really mad a couple of years earlier about that version of Nick Fury. I feel like they made the right decision in making the changes that they did here, but still playing with those really familiar archetypes. I mean, mm-hmm. Dirk Anger is, for all intents and purposes, Nick Fury. Oh, of course. He yells about how he's 90 years old yeah, and he has course. a formula, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there's any question that people can't figure out who's who and what's what mm-hmm. uh, in this. And it's and it's and and it comes off completely as parody. That's why I asked the question, you know, is, the, is this in continuity or not? Uh, is this in the Marvel universe or not? Because then that, you know, that changes the nature of how you approach this uh, comic, I think. And I think when you just look at it as a Mad Magazine parody of of Marvel comics, it really is a lot of fun in the stories and the, and the, the tales. And they're intentionally done in two issue arcs. You're not reading, 
you know, 52 uh, issues of a series or 12 issues of a series to try to get some big meta message out of this. This is a mm-hmm. hey, two issues. We're fighting Fing Fang Foom. Two issues. We're fighting some uh, broccoli men and uh, two issues. We're exposing uh, Dirk Ing- Anger's uh, deep, dark secret about wearing his mother's dress. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really it's really well done from that from that standpoint. And it's funny, yeah. too. I mean, I, I like all of the characters and how uh, they each have a different voice. They each are very distinct in their in their voices and their mm-hmm. attitudes towards the situation, their teammates, the world that they're in, et cetera. And it's really a lot. It really is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they kind of don't hate each other, but you can't tell from what they outwardly say. Sure. And I'm not saying that I myself am part of any social groups that have that habit. But I, well, I, really I mean, you like, are you are part of that hate book thing. Exactly. I, I, I really like the fact that, you know, they'll have these moments where they're all like, we're going to go in and we're going to fight. But you got to be in the air. We don't want you on the ground because it's too dangerous. Well, what about Elsa? She'll be on the ground. Well, I don't like I her. I don't really care about her. Right? Yeah. You know, those moments, those little throwaway bits where Ellis is almost calling out his own story line tropes and, and playing with bits and pieces of things that you in especially 10 years ago, never saw in comics. These days you actually kind of see a little next wave. And I'm going to say it, especially in the new 52, you see a little next wave here and there. Yeah. And that in a way is great. And in a way it's kind of not. And I feel like I've always felt like next wave being in continuity in the main Marvel universe isn't the best thing for either next wave right or the Marvel universe. But if you read it as is, if you read it as a standalone that also ties into this, it's, it's one of those books, those rare books that is consistently funny when it goes for jokes. There's a moment where Monica's thinking back, this never happened in the Avengers. And she thinks back and captain America's like, go home, make me a sandwich. sandwich, Yeah. And I'm like, God, that's offensive and out of character, but it's such a perfect punchline at that moment for that joke that you almost forgive what a terrible, terrible out of character moment that would be if it were really our Captain America. Yeah. Uh, Which one of the stories was your favorite, Rodrigo? Um, Probably the first one. Yeah, that was mine too. Uh, uh, It's a a really stick you in his pants. (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a really it's a really good introduction to the characters. Oh dear God, he's wearing underpants. Yep, it's got the the first instance of my robot brain needs beer. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. just is this really be- solid. This is 2010, so this Futurama, the whole robots need beer thing. Oh, is it? Because the issue yeah. that I'm looking at says copyright 2010 inside of it. Oh, uh, that's the the reprinted version. Ah, okay. Two thousand six is when the book came out. Ah, okay, okay. But this was still um, after Futurama's robot beer thing. Sure, sure. Oh, yes, for sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I just and, think this whole idea that they're kind of taking on different genres in each of the mm-hmm. two arcs is also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Fing Fang Foom <laughs> is by far my favorite. Yeah, and it has that wonderful moment where Fing Fang Foom throws up his own heart, and he's like. Fin Fang Foom's heart is broken. Uh, You just feel so bad for the hundred foot giant dragon that destroyed everything. But yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, the giant, the giant robot cop one was okay too. Yeah. Um, 
Less so, but, but less okay. so, but yeah, only because the he got what he deserved at the end, and right, and really what he deserved what you want to see in really, your hero stories really mean spirited. Yeah, and then the final one. I mean, I really kind of, and I haven't read the other six issues. Maybe the there's something different that happens, but this feels like this should have been the end of the twelve issue run. There's more that happens, and we get more into Beyond's um, right. Beyond's actual backstory and manipulation. Mm. Issue 12 mm-hmm. of Next Wave still stands as one of my top 10 favorite single-issue comic reading experiences. Okay. Because there's a, there's a moment where they have seven consecutive big, huge two-page spreads full of lunatic stuff. And then at the end, <laughs> you get this little caption box from Ellis that says, hey, kids, you got to put all these together to see one big picture, which means you got to buy six issues. And then the next page, next wave, wasting your money since 2006. I really love the sense of humor that is, is brought to this and the good-natured, almost happy, friendly mockery of everyone and everything. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the, the parody nature of this or having fun with this. I mean, that's that's why it's a fun series to read. I mean, mm-hmm. it's good to laugh. And and this this six vo- this first volume that we read, I mm-hmm. think, has plenty of good laughs in it. I don't think there's anything that's totally tasteless. And I don't think, I mean, even the, the violence that is over the top is, mm-hmm. again, I keep saying Mad Magazine type violence. It's know? goofy cartoon yeah, it's, violence. It it's, really is. It's Daffy Duck gets shot in the face, takes his bill and pulls it back around and calls somebody despicable kind of violence. Yeah. Exploding koala bear violence. Is there is there stuff to not like, Rodrigo? Um, Probably the main thing that I don't like about it is... um. You know how that tick tick boom song was really popular yes, there for a while. Because that's what I kept thinking the entire time. It's what's saliva in your group. I feel that's all that, I could think about. Well, and that's what it's referencing. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. And I kind of feel like we don't need. Like she doesn't need to say that every time she uses her powers. It's like the first time around. It's like oh, pop culture reference. It's like oh no, oh this is what we're doing. Okay, no. Yeah. I kind of liked it because it just made me run through the whole song as yeah. I was reading the book, which is nice in that in that uh, sixth sixth issue where right. they're taking on hate directly, and you can just right. hear this you know the whole click click boom song going on. Yeah. So Matthew, what is there not to like in this in this series? I think for me, the thing not to like is also the thing to like when it comes to Warren Ellis of the the deconstructionists of the guys who about whom you can make a strong case that they really hate superheroes. Yeah. I feel like Ellis is one of the ones who has the best grasp of what's good about a superhero story. And Ellis's sense of humor is thankfully in a lot of ways on par with what I consider funny. So we're in that same sort of ballpark. I think that next wave can be, an overwhelming experience if you come in cold and read a lot of it all at once. Eh, I don't know. And I don't by know that, that, I mean, uh, for me anyway, I, I read this issue one issue at a time, blah, 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 original issues. But coming back in and reading it all of a piece, it's it. Well, it gets back to my thing about binge watching stuff. Sometimes, you know, you want to see the Mindy Project one episode at a time with a break to appreciate it. 
And I feel like maybe my only real complaint about this collection is that there's so much of it there that it's easy to miss some of the awesome stuff. And to have a moment like the tick, 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 boom, come back enough that the, the recurring joke almost but not quite goes out of the funny, but then comes, if that makes any sense. Sometimes a recurring gag that recurs too quickly like my voice breaking in the middle of that sentence up because that was clearly making fun of Zach. That moment in a big collection like this can sometimes be problematic. So eh, that's me. Cool. Uh, I guess my, my biggest concern was where it fit within the Marvel universe or not. That was the only thing that, uh, that, uh, had me trouble, but no, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I really liked it. And bottom line for me is I, I say, go pick this up. Uh, it really is a lot of fun. You can go get it on comiXology right now. I think it's 10 bucks per volume. It's totally worth it. And, uh, go read it. I love the art. I think the art is fantastic in this. Um, and it's definitely a type of style that, uh, that I enjoy reading bottom line for you, Rodrigo. Uh, next wave is a lot of fun. And for me, the the thing that I really get out of this comic, I think it's a masterclass on pacing. It is a mm. comic that gives you this like frantic, ridiculous pace. And it's the writing, it's the dialogue, it's the art. It's all together. And you just flip through it. And sometimes you miss stuff because the comic just like urges you to read it so fast and so like uh and to keep this like ridiculous pace that the comic is uh going for. Mm. So I'd say pick it up. Cool. And Matthew. Oh, I absolutely say buy Next Wave. Buy multiple copies of Next Wave. Buy six copies and put them together. And the reason why is I love Machine Man. I love Machine Man like a brother. And Monica Rambo has been a favorite of mine for a very long time. But none of these characters in the last 10, 15 years have had a higher profile or a more compelling, a stronger, a more deftly designed character than you'll find in these pages. If you can take five random characters and turn them into something really awesome, that to me is an act of like purest alchemy. That's like the new warriors. That's like, uh, you know, the, the new X-Men in 1975, just sitting down and reading this book, I think is a moment of here's what comics could be. It would be terrible if they were all this, but mm-hmm. it's so amazing that this can be this and do it in a way that isn't overwhelming or obnoxious all of the time. Just obnoxious enough. And, you know, I recommend it to everybody. This is really, really good comics. Cool. Plus, Eminem's art is amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I dig it. I dig it, dig it, dig it. All right, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We'll be back next week when I kill Adolf Hitler. Take care. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven.
This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.